Open your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. As you're turning there, I'll add my welcome. Thank you all for being here. It's good to have so many visitors with us this morning. I was talking with uh, some of our visitors, and uh, we live in a place where we get a lot of visitors. Uh, over the winter, we have uh, snowbirds that come down here and live through the winter months, and then they leave, and then uh, there's a little bit of a lull, and then uh, summer vacationers start to come into town, and we get to see people, uh, a lot of people we get to see once a year, and it's good to see uh, so many that, that come here and, and come here regularly every year. And we're glad that you come and be a part of this group and be a part of this worship while you're here. It's very encouraging to us, and we very much appreciate that. I want to talk this morning uh, about invitations. Invitations, we, uh, like most things in life, we take a lot of it for granted. Uh, there's small invitations. Hey, want to go grab some lunch? There's a little bit more formal invitation. Hey, you know, can you come over next Friday night and have dinner in my home? And then you have all manner in between, and then you get those more uh, eloquent, more formal uh, invitations like you'll get in the mail, and they have this fancy script, and the dates are all spelled out, you know, and this, 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 this person's getting, getting married on this date, and we want you to be a part of that. The Bible has invitations as well. There's some very important invitations that we find in Scripture, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. And what I want us to, to keep going back to as we go through this is the, the idea, as we'll look at this morning, and the invitations we're going to talk about this morning, is the idea that all are invited. So keep that in, 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 in your mind as we go through, and I'll help, help us to reinforce it. But the idea that all are invited. Now, if you had a wedding and you invited everyone, that would be a lot of people, wouldn't it? You might bankrupt yourself trying to feed everyone in the, in the wedding feast. But God has extended the invitation to us, and he's extended it to everyone. There's an invitation that God has put forth that he wants everyone to come to a certain event, as we'll see in the parable here we'll talk about in just a moment in Matthew 22, where Jesus uses the wedding as, a, as an example. Well, within that, we're going to also look at some other things about that that are very closely related and parallel, run parallel to it, but the idea, again, is invitation. God is asking us. He's not forcing us. We don't have to go, but God has graciously extended an invitation to us. And we'd be wise to, to go. So let's talk about this first one. The idea that all are invited to the wedding feast. If you're there in Matthew chapter 22, let's read this parable. And again, what a parable is, it literally means casting alongside. It's a, it's a story that's told to, to emphasize a spiritual lesson. So things of, of the world are used to illustrate things of, of a spiritual nature. So think about this as we go through and read this, what's being really talked about here as, as the parable illustrates. Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 1, it says, And Jesus answered and spoke to them again in a parable, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast. And they were unwilling to come. 
Again, he sent out other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatted livestock are all butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went their way, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged and sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. And he said to his slave, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main highways, and as many as you find there, invite them to the wedding feast. And those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw there a man not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And he was speechless. And the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and cast him into the outer darkness, in that place where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. In this parable we see this idea of uh, those being invited to a wedding feast. The wedding feast is also or often a reference to the kingdom. Those who would be invited into the kingdom, those who would be invited into the Lord's church. In Isaiah chapter 25 and verse 6, it says, The Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain, a banquet of aged wine, choice pieces of marrow, and refined aged wine. This is a feast that God has, has set forward. In the parable here, he's talking about uh, the feast that the, 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 this man is giving for the wedding. And this is a feast where everyone's going to be invited. A reference to the kingdom being available to all peoples. In the, in the parable there, there were some that were invited, and the, and the, the king sent out a slave and said, go, these are invited, go, go, go get them and bring them in. They refused. And so when they did refuse again and again, he said, okay, Go out in the street and invite everyone in. And the idea here is is pretty clear about the kingdom being available first to the Jews. But they rejected it. They rejected our Lord. Eventually they would put him to death, as is mentioned here in the parable about those slaves that went out and how they mistreated them and put them to death. That's a reference to our Lord. That was the invitation first to the Jews, but they rejected it. So the king opened up the invitation to all people. Look over in Revelation chapter 19 for just a moment. Revelation chapter 19. Again, the illustration here about the wedding and the participants of the wedding and the wedding feast. Revelation 19, beginning verse 7. It says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. And this we're talking about is Jesus being the bridegroom, and the church being the bride. That is the illustration that is used throughout Scripture. That's what's being talked about here. Verse 8, And it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are true words of God. Again, here's the illustration of the wedding feast, and what it means. Blessed are those who are invited. 
But even this gracious offer is refused by the people who are indifferent to what's going on. They, one went to his farm, one went to his business. It's also refused by those who were hostile towards the invitation. How they mistreated the slaves and even killed them. And again, this is obviously pointing to the rejection of Jesus by the Jews. So the king punishes them by destroying their city. If you go back to Revelation, or beg your pardon, Matthew 22, verse 7. But the king was enraged and sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. This seems to point to the impending destruction of Jerusalem. Jesus is going to talk about that a little bit later in chapter 24 of Matthew. But there's coming a destruction. Jesus alludes to it. This is going to, and it would take place in 70 AD when Jerusalem would be destroyed. And putting an end to the society, the, the culture of Judaism. Putting a final end to that. In this wedding, in the parable, there's one there who is improperly attired. This would have been an, a serious insult to the one who was, who was giving the wedding feast. It, demonstrate, it demonstrates that the one there was not prepared. He was not prepared to be in the position where he was. He wasn't dressed appropriately. It says his reaction that he was speechless, which means he had no excuse. He didn't say, well, I'm sorry, I, it was last minute, I couldn't find anything else to wear. It, it just says he was speechless. She indicates, indicates to us that he had no excuse. All people are invited into the kingdom, but there's an expectation that you conduct yourself in a proper manner. There's an expectation in the wedding feast that you dress appropriately. And that you are ready to be there. And so he was thrown out of the feast to a place that Jesus had described here and in other places as a, as a terrible place. A terrible place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the idea here, this, this little parable, speaks a lot, doesn't it? It speaks a lot about the kingdom. It tells us that God has invited everyone into the kingdom. Let's look at a couple of other things about this. In this inviting into the kingdom, there's a couple of things that go parallel with that. Let's understand that all are invited to hear the gospel. How is it that we might come into the kingdom? We talked about it in our Bible class this morning, as Peter points out, about that entrance into the kingdom being abundantly supplied. It's a way in that's been designed by God. And it comes through the gospel. Look in Acts chapter 10. We looked at this recently, again, with Peter and the, the conversion of the house of Cornelius. But how important is that, the events that, that unfold there in Cornelius' house and the, the events that lead up to, to Peter being there? Peter's given a vision of the sheep being let down from heaven and the, all the animals are there and the voice says, kill and eat. And, and what Peter originally comes to the idea and understanding is that the gospel is available to all. Look in verse 34 of Acts 10. And opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. But in every nation, the man who fears him and does, not, and does what is right is welcome to him. It took the, the events that, that unfolded there and this vision that Peter had 
And he says, now I understand. The gospel is available to all men. Everyone has been invited to hear the gospel. The Jew first, yes, but to the Greek also, as Paul says there in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. It was available to the Jews first, and the, the parable that we just went through, they rejected it en masse. Now, we understand there were those that were converted. But as a faith, as the, the leaders of the Jewish uh, faith, they rejected Jesus. But God has given the invitation for everyone, everyone to hear the gospel. Go back to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. This is the time period after Jesus has been crucified, but before he has ascended back to heaven. He has some final instructions, final conversations with his apostles. Here in Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 44, he says, uh, He said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of, the, of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed, listen, in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of, the, of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise to my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. Should be proclaimed in all nations beginning from Jerusalem. The gospel was available to all. It was Jesus' instructions to make sure that the gospel got preached into all the earth. That everyone hear the gospel message. Because that was the instructions that he gave to his apostles. Go back now to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul, of course, understood this as well. Writes about it here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1. He says, And when I came to you, again, Paul obviously speaking to the Corinthians, he says, When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Stop there for just a moment. Our scripture reading a while ago, back over in chapter 1. What does he say there in verse 23? We preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. That's the gospel message. Christ crucified. And when you boil it all down, and the message that we as preachers have the, the, the responsibility to preach is Christ crucified. And Paul says that's enough. We preach Christ crucified. Verse 3 of chapter 2. And I was with you in weakness and, and fear and much trembling, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. So when you boil it all down, when you break it all down, what is it that we are to teach and preach? Christ crucified. That's the gospel message. And that invitation is to all the earth. Everyone in the world. Closely related to that is that all are invited alongside the Lord. Look over in John chapter 12. 
We are invited alongside the Lord. Our Lord suffered terrible death. But we can, in a way, partake in that. We'll explain that as we go. First, let's start here in John chapter 12, beginning in verse 27. It says, Now my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify thy name. And stop just for a moment and just give you a little bit of context. If you look back up there in verse 20, Now there were certain Greeks among these who going up to worship at the feast. These therefore came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came, and, and Andrew and Philip, and came and told Jesus, and Jesus answered and said, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Jesus is saying, This is the time. Nothing's going to prevent me from going and doing what it is that I am, have been sent here to do. Pick back up in verse 28. Father, glorify thy name. Therefore there came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The multitude, therefore, who stood by and heard it were saying that it thundered. Others were saying that an angel has spoken to him. Verse 20. And Jesus answered and said, This voice has not come for my sake, but for your sake. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world shall be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. And he was saying this to indicate what kind of death by which he must die. Jesus speaking of, if I be lifted up, talking about being crucified on the cross, he says, I will draw all nations to myself. So in that way, we, we share in his crucifixion, in his death. Look over in Romans chapter 6. Paul expresses it this way. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 3. He says, Or do you not know that all who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of the resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. You see, when we talk about being called, or being invited alongside the Lord, we have the, the, the blessing of putting that old man, that old woman of sin to death. We get to share in that, in, the, in, the, in like form, to the crucifixion of Jesus. He was put to death in the body. We, when we become Christians, we get to put to death that old man of sin. And what a blessing that is. That we don't physically have to suffer death in order to be saved from our sins. Why? Because Jesus did that. He did that so we don't have to. But when we surrendered to baptism, when we are plunged and buried in the waters of baptism, we come up out of the waters to walk in newness of life. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, Paul says we walk as a new creation or a new creature. The old things have been done away with. Go over in Galatians chapter 2. One final point to make on this. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. 
Paul is speaking of himself. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. We get called alongside the Lord. We get to share in the death but we share it in a way as we're putting to death sin. And we are freed from sin. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't it a blessing that Jesus died so that we don't have to? We don't have to suffer that spiritual death of sin. We can put that old man of sin to death. In those formal invitations, we're often given a, a card to send back with RSVP. I think that means respond, s'il vous plaît. I think that's it. My French is a little rusty. But the idea here is that if you get one of these formal invitations, you send back a, a card and let them know whether or not you're going to be there so they can count on you or not. So in the invitation that has been extended to us, how will we respond? Let's understand a few things about it. First of all, let's understand that the invitation is still being made. To this very hour, the invitation is still being made. The king is still inviting people in. He has still sent out his slaves and into the highways and told them to to bring everyone in, good and evil. The gospel is available to all. Titus 2 and verse 11, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. All are invited. And the invitation is still there. The invitation is still going out. But there are sadly still those who are rejecting the invitation. Through indifference, like those who had the farms and the businesses to, to go back to. And those rejecting hostility, saying no way. Even in parts of the world, Christianity is under assault. And those who are practicing are indeed being put to death at a much more alarming rate than we probably even know. Rejection is still going on. But the king's servants, us, we still have the responsibility. We still have that responsibility to go out into the highways and, to, and to, to, to bring those in, invite them in. And in so doing, we must understand that we, we need to be properly attired. Getting to the feast means that we have accepted the gospel call and we've, we've surrendered in baptism. Now as invited guests, we must make sure that we don't offend the host. We need to make sure that we're properly attired. And I'm not talking about a dress code for Sunday morning. I'm talking about being attired in, in righteousness, being attired in faithful service to God, and being attired in diligent uh, pursuit of, of virtues that we talked about in our first Peter, or second Peter class this morning. That's the attire that we're talking about. Being clothed with Christ, putting that on to make sure we're not offending the host. We need to make sure we are doing things properly as the host requires. This is the host that sets uh, the dress code, so to speak. Is it black tie? Is it black tie optional? Is it casual? 
Is it on the beach where you get to wear your flip-flops? Matthew 5 and verse 16 says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's who we're seeking to glorify. That's who we're seeking to please in the way that we are dressed for the wedding feast. Understand this, that to reject the invitation is to reject eternal life. The last verse of the parable talks about how there are many called, but few are chosen. The invitation is to all. We've made that point abundantly clear. But there is the option. There is the how are you going to respond to it. Many are called, but few are chosen. And while the invitation still goes out, it's still the responsibility on our part to remain there as invited guests. It's on us to invite others in. It's on us to make sure that we are being pleasing to the host, that we are properly attired. And if we reject this invitation, it means that we are indeed rejecting eternal life. So how then will you respond to the invitation? We talk about in our service here an invitation that we give at the end, and that's what we we do now. We offer an invitation that mirrors what we talked about this morning, an invitation into the kingdom that God has abundantly supplied. And that is that invitation comes in only one way, through Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So in order to get into the wedding feast, you have to pass through Jesus Christ. And he has called us alongside him to suffer with him in the way that we suffer as we put off that old man of sin. He did the suffering in the body so that we don't have to. We have the blessing of burying that old man of sin in baptism and rising to walk in newness of life. We offer that invitation to you this morning. If as a child of God you have stumbled and you've let your, to use our illustration, you've let your dress code slip a little bit. You're not attired as you should be. You're not wearing the things you should be wearing to the wedding feast. I would encourage you to make the necessary changes. Put on Christ. Put on righteousness. Put on diligent service to God. If you've fallen down in that area, I would encourage you to make those things right. If you need the prayers of the congregation, we can certainly help you with that. We can pray for you. We can help you in your studies. Whatever your needs might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.